Let us pray. Almighty God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So, a newcomer at St. Albans recently asked me what these wooden boards are displayed throughout the nave. There's two here, and then there's two there. I feel like a flight attendant. Uh, the hymn board may be behind you. They're hymn boards. They, um, they are not, as some people thought, was maybe like a, um, a satisfaction rating of the clergy of St. Albans. It's not that. Uh, they are the hymn boards, and they help you. If you don't get a bulletin, you can know wh- what hymn to sing. You can find it in the hymnal in front of you. But the other thing it always tells you is what Sunday of the church year we're in. And this says last Sunday after Pentecost. It's been these almost 30 weeks since Pentecost. And that means this Sunday is the last Sunday of the church year. It's Christ the King Sunday, and next Sunday we'll begin a new church year with the season of Advent. So I'm just helping you get ready for Advent, uh, reminding you that um, the word Advent means arrival, and we know what this is pointing to, the arrival of calendars that have chocolate in them. That's what we get ready for in Advent. Also, of course, we prepare for the arrival of the baby Jesus, remember him? And uh, in this season, it's a time that is supposed to be, at least in church uh, arenas, it's supposed to be a time of preparation, of getting ready for Jesus' arrival, and it's supposed to be a little bit of a subdued, almost penitential sort of season as we get ready for the great joy that comes at Christmas. And it is, um, uh, at least that's what it's supposed to be in theory. You know, we don't... We don't, um, inside this church, it will not, during the season of Advent, it will not look like a target, right? Which is full Christmas. It's, it's been that way since the end of Thanksgiving. And we try to hold back. We try to, you know, let's get, let's, let's hold off. Let's, let's wait. And that's why, you know, we will have, won't have flowers in Advent on the altar. We'll have greenery. We will not get too crazy with the Christmas decorations uh, at the beginning of December. We'll wait on that stuff. Now, I did allow there to be not a Christmas tree, but a lighted topiary (laughs) in the Welcome Center. And if my job was ever at risk, it is now because of that that tree. Um, We've had two staff meetings where they're like, Zimmerman, people are saying, uh, you allowed, the Advent police are out to get you. There's a warrant out for your arrest. Because not even Advent yet, and you've got a tree. It is, and I just got to tell you, folks, it's for the children. Uh, it's, it's, that's where we're having toys dropped off for our toy drive for Christmas for the children. So if you, like me and Whitney Houston, believe the children are our future, please allow there to be this lighted topiary in the Welcome Center so that you know where to drop off the toys for the kids. Uh, but uh, that just goes to show what this time of year is supposed to be about, at least in our tradition and in the church. It's supposed to be a subdued, reverential, little penitential time of preparation and waiting, and that is a beautiful thing, in theory. But outside these walls, it is not quite so quiet, subdued, reverential, penitent, and... Um, uh, this calm waiting. It is full-on Mariah Christmas, Mariah Carey hitting you with Christmas everywhere you go. It is party after party. It is gift buying. It is list making. It is grocery shopping. It's all those things. And I bring that up because there is a pre-Advent gift I want to give to you today as you head into the season. Because the thing that will 
um, you will feel this time of year. You feel it always, but it sort of is ratcheted up. It gets heightened this time of year. Is a sense of guilt or being not enough. Now, if this doesn't apply to you, the Bible's in the pew in front of you. You can just read that. Just take, you know, don't listen to my sermon. But if you are a person who sometimes feels like they are a failure, if you are a person who sometimes feels like you're not quite getting it done, if you are a person who feels like you let yourself down and others down, if that happens to you, it will continue to happen during the season and for a whole host of new reasons. There'll be the things that you are supposed to do, the, the perfect uh, Griswold family Christmas that you're supposed to have and you try to pull off, which you may or not be able to do, the presents that you have to buy for people that they may or may not appreciate or like, the family around which you have to gather, and sometimes those folks are really good at making you feel guilty about the way your life has or has not turned out. Christmas cards, you know, that is what one of my friends calls the family Olympics. You send this document to show other people how you are the winner and you are doing family Christmas better than everybody else. That's, you ever get these cards where they like list, their, nobody ever puts like the, I was arrested in February. No one ever puts that on the Christmas card. They're like, so-and-so is going to this college and we went to um, Milan and we're doing great. Christmas cards, you know, and so maybe you decide to opt out. I'm not going to do them this year. It's materialistic. It's, I don't have time, so you don't do it. But and every other Christmas card that arrives in your house, the slew that hits your house this time of year, each one is like a little dagger of guilt. See what they were able to do and you couldn't do it. And so you might be one of those people that sends the New Year's card, <laughs> which is not a thing, okay? It doesn't count. No, it does. It does. I'm fine all the guilt and a lot of it actually uh and you know i don't you may may have not heard a sermon about food or eating but it is something that you spend a lot of time thinking about and it is a huge source of psychological um and physical uh struggle for people there's a movie that came out in 1990 by this auteur director which means nobody's seen the movie but it was uh called eating and it takes place in southern california at a woman's 40th birthday and uh, the whole thing is sort of conversations around food and uh, all that and um, how it consumes people's thinking. And there's a scene where it's, it's a birthday party and there's a cake and they cut the cake in a very moderate, reasonable slice and the cutter of the cake hands the piece to someone who then says, no, thank you, passes it to the next person, who says, no, thank you, they pass it to the next person and it makes a way around the whole room until it arrives back at its home, home plate, the cake from which it started and no one takes it. And it just, to me, is an example of how these simple everyday things like a birthday party or like the Christmas season can turn into an obstacle course of psychological drama, neurosis, and guilt. Now, again, if that's not you, please read the Bible. Check out the hymnals, whatever. But if that does land with you at all, there is a gift that comes every year on Christ the King Sunday before we head into this time of year. And it is the gift of if I can get you to imagine, a beautifully wrapped box, a present in front of you with a nice bow, and I, and I ask you to untie the bow, tear off the wrapping, open up the box, get through the layers of the tissue paper, and here is the gift for Christ the King Sunday. It is a piece of paper, a little card, and on which are two words. High Christology. Now that may sound like the worst gift you've gotten since socks when you were six years old. But let me tell you why this is a good gift. So Christology, some of you know what that is, some of you may not, you've come to the right place. Christology is a theological word 
that describes what you would say if I were to ask you, who is Jesus? I say, who is Jesus? Whatever, however you would answer that, that is your Christology. That is your belief about who Jesus is and what he did and why that matters. And Christ the King has these reminders of um, truths that are so important, and I think they actually are the remedy for what ails potentially you. And there are really two things that I want to say as we talk about the reading from Colossians. Just two things about Jesus Christ. One, he is God. Two, he can save you. So let's just talk through those. And you may begin by asking yourself, why, why is he telling us that Jesus is God? We all, we're in church. We've, we've come here and uh, clearly we believe that. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. There are some people who maybe are not so sure and that's fine. We're, we're, I'm glad you're here. Uh, and the thing about many, many Christians and many churches actually is that while maybe they would confess that Jesus is God, they would affirm that, how we actually live that out and how we talk about Jesus displays maybe a different understanding. I'll give you, I'll give you um, two examples. One, church camp. Two, George Burns. Didn't see that one coming today. Um, church camp. If you've been to a church camp, you might have heard a presentation of the message of Jesus, a proclamation of the gospel, and an invitation to put your faith in Christ and to invite Jesus into your heart. And I have been to church camps, and one of the things that people say sometimes is that Jesus is a gentleman. They take the Revelation 3 verse about Jesus knocking on the door out of context, and they say that Jesus is a gentleman. He wants to come into your heart, but he will not barge in. You need to open the door and let him in. Jesus is a gentleman. Of course, at which point I picture Jesus with a top hat, a monocle, and a little cane. Sort of the Monopoly guy, Jesus. Thank you. It was lame, but I thank you for the pity laugh. Anyways, you'll think about it. You'll think about it at brunch. You'll be like, Jesus, with a top hat. Hmm, that was funny. Jesus is a gentleman, they'll say. So you have to let him in. This, to me, is at odds with the Jesus who turns over tables, knocks Paul off his horse, tells Peter to check himself before he wrecks himself and is just meddling in people's lives all the time. Again, if you have a low Christology and you are not down with what I'm saying and you think maybe Jesus is not all that much, he's not God, he's not powerful, I mean, he's a neat guy, he said some cool things. Well, he got you to church, didn't he? And you didn't even want to be here. Huh. (laughs) Jesus is God. At least that's what the text claims. George Burns 1978, was in a movie with John Denver, you know, Country Roads, Take Me Home, West Virginia, that John Denver, and God appeared as George Burns, and at the end, uh, the movie is an exploration of sort of this idea about why is God not doing more in the world, and it ends with this sort of... um, wise-sounding speech by George where he says with his cigar, you know, that basically God set the world up and then left it up to you and me to get it done. This is what many of our founding fathers thought. They were called deists. That's the name of that that belief system. Uh, God set the world up and then gave it to you. You also hear this kind of idea about once a year that shows up somebody posted on social media, uh, Christ has no hands but yours. 
And there's a statue, a famous statue, where the hands of a Christ statue were uh, destroyed. And so they show this picture of the statue. Jesus has no hands but yours. Meaning, again, you have to do the things. Which, again, to me seems at odds with somebody who is doing many things. And at odds with how he's described in this Colossians passage, he who holds all things together, everything that, was, that exists was created through him, by him, for him, all of that. He's holding um, the sun together amidst all those nuclear reactions happening 93 million miles away, bringing light and heat to you right now, as well as every subatomic force that's holding the little tiny bits inside of your cells together, all those things. He invented the speed of light and koalas. Thought both those things were great ideas. I agree. This is Christ, our God. And the readings here today remind us of that fact. And this is just not some theological abstraction, which brings me to the second point, which is just that this, because he's God, he's actually able to save you. He's actually able to remove the guilt that you feel. Even if you still feel it, it's gone. It's been dealt with. It has been taken care of. And that is the good news of Christ the King Sunday. And it's in this reading from... Um, uh, Colossians, it's just again and again, Paul is going at great lengths to try to remind us of this truth. He says that Christ has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He says God has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, and through Christ God was pleased to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of the cross. In other words, Christ can save you. He can deal with the guilt that you have. See, the thing is, our Christology, what I'm telling you here is a high Christology. Jesus is God, and Jesus is able to save, and Jesus is able to redeem, and he can actually do the things. He can save you from sin, death, and the devil. And our Christology, though, it always has this tendency, like our socks, to slip you got to pick it back up, which is what Christ the King is for. Because the minute your Christology starts to dip, the second you think Jesus can't really do the things that he says he can do, then suddenly it becomes your job to fix yourself, your job to save yourself, your job to try to work yourself up to make things better. And that will only go so far, as you have discovered throughout your life, of the many ways you have tried to make yourself better and are still trying. Decades have passed. You are still trying. So maybe you need some help from the outside and maybe you can allow the idea that Jesus Christ is God and able to do the things that he says he can do, namely to reconcile you. Now, I can't make that happen. I wish I could. I wish I could. My prayer and my hope this morning, though, is that you hear this and you'll be reminded of it almost instantly in this service again. Because we're going to baptize somebody today and we're going to talk about what Christ has done for Anne-Marie and all of us. And then we're going to come to the Lord's table and we'll hear again what Christ, our God, has done for all of us. And I pray that you leave here today feeling better than when you left. I have a, a, a friend who um, was raised in a different church tradition and has recently come to this congregation and said that in their past congregation, the preacher actually said, I want you to leave church feeling worse than when you arrived, otherwise I haven't done my job. Because you need to get your act together. That is not the gospel. Jesus Christ said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light and I have come to set you free and to give sight to the blind and to give freedom to the captives. I've come that your joy may be fulfilled. 
That's the gospel. And you're going to hear it now, five minutes from now, and 20 minutes from now. And then you're going to go back out into that world. And the voices that tell you that you are a disappointment and that you are not enough and that you are a failure and that you haven't measured up, those will crop up almost immediately. So if there's anything that I could give you today, imagine that box that we opened at the beginning of that sermon and that little card. And if when you go home, you could do it right now. There's tiny little golf pencils we provided for you. Take that envelope or any of those papers that you never look at. Just take one and write on it, high Christology. Or if you want to do that in your imagination, just kind of imaginarily put it in your pocket. When that voice crops up, and it will, you have a gift. High Christology. You actually believe that Jesus is God. And you actually believe that he can save. And the good news about a high Christology is that even if your Christology slips down like your socks and your 401k... Even when that happens, if we really do believe in a high Christology, if Jesus really is God, and if he really can save, then what you believe about it doesn't actually matter. He will get it done. He doesn't need you to open the door. He's the table turner and the St. Paul horse knocker offer. He can get to you. And he will, I pray, continue to remind you that he is God. He has reconciled you. He has forgiven your sins. You have redemption. You are free. You are actually loved. And there's nothing more you need to do to make that a reality. It's true now. And if that voice comes back and you forget your High Christology Club membership card, just come back again. We have an unlimited supply. We'll be here next week with the same message, the week after that, and the week after that. So, happy Christ the King Sunday. Happy High Christology Day. And let us pray. Almighty God. We pray that you, by your grace, um, give us uh, ears to hear your voice, that you have rescued us from darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of light, that you have reconciled all things, including us, to you. That we are forgiven and that we are loved. Enable us to hear and receive that reality now and always. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.